Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here chatting, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Uh, here we are, the season three finale, the cliffhangers, yeah, right? We've uh, dug into a lot of good uh, toppings here. We have. Uh, and uh, there's always more underneath yes. the toppings and inside the chips like and hiding that. there. So great, like, great metaphor. Yeah, we can just keep going with that, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it never gets old, at least yeah, for us. I know. Maybe people are listening are like, you're still talking about that stuff? Uh, so, you know, there's a few sort of topics that are sort of out there that we haven't covered. So we're going to kind of do like an overall wrap, but we're also going to talk about sort of how real estate can factor yeah. in to a partnership when you're talking about buy-ins or bringing on a partner, and then also, you know, startup partnerships, you know, do they work? Don't they work? When do they work? When don't yeah. they work? Uh, so let's just dive right in, Paul. You know, the the real estate, I find in so many ways uh, and so many transactions in the dental world kind of gets short shrift. You know, whether you're talking about selling a practice to a DSO yeah. um, and um, all the discussion is about right. the purchase price of the assets. And it's like, well, there's going to be a lease, yeah. you know, I'm like what's <laughs> right. the lease going to be, right. you know, like for how long, what's the rent? Yeah. Um, similarly, when we see uh, someone who's joining a practice as a partner, again, bringing somebody on as a partner, the scenario where one of the partners owns the real estate, or maybe maybe we have a situation where we have two existing partners with a, an associate who's now going to join the practice as a partner. Um, so those people that own the practice also own the real estate. Now they're bringing this person in. Are they cutting them in on the real right. estate as well? And uh, I think what I'll, I'll kind of jump in and say, yeah. we're talking about this buying into a practice. You know, you either you've been at the practice and you're buying in or you're coming in from outside the world and buying in, I think most of the time our listeners are thinking it's somebody who's been at the practice, most of the time, not all of the time. We've talked about these. I'll actually ask you, is there any good reasons why the the dentist is selling, let's say 50% of their dental business to their new partner? Right. Why wouldn't they sell 50% of the real estate? You want to know like a good reason or the reason they <laughs> give sometimes me the, tell give me the us, good Paul. reason and dentist reason. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not always the same thing. Um, you know, the, the, the good reason, there's really no good reason not to bring them in. You know, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, if, if the plan here is to, to transition the, the practice and, and transition ownership, you know, a, a key component of that is, is the, is the real estate. Now they may want to hold on to it because they think that from an investment standpoint over the long term, it's going to be, uh, an asset for them that will appreciate and they're going to make money off of it. You know, these are yeah. a couple of, there's a couple of things here we're going to be coming right. back to here. Right. Uh, 
But, you know, I look at it too, that, you know, who's going to buy this real estate from you, right? right? And if it's not the person who's buying the practice, and that's this is the conversation we have in the transition world, but same thing in the partnership world. If you own this real estate and you're, you're going to end the practice and you're going to sell some of the practice and ultimately all the practice to to somebody, yeah. who's going to buy the real estate if, if, you, if that person doesn't? And I, I think, you know, I, I say this a lot in Sometimes my own wife gets on it, but I don't like people to ever feel left out, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just think this is the ultimate. You're making people feel left out, right? You're making right. your partner feel left out. Like, you know, you have a building that's $500,000. First of all, just for our listeners and people, most of the time, and I probably would say, you would probably say over 90%, the practice is far higher purchase price than the building, right? Yep, usually. So yep. like, you know, we're, we're talking about a practice now that has two dentists. So let's just say mm-hmm. this practice is being sold for a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the building is $300,000, right? Mm-hmm. You're letting someone purchase $500,000 of this dental practice you've built with mm-hmm. your blood, sweat, and tears. Right. And then you're saying, but you can't purchase $150,000 worth of right. this building. Right. It's because they think now they're going to be, I don't know if I'm saying the word right, a real estate magnet, tycoon, <laughs> or is it tycoon time, you know? I, I have to maintain the castle. <laughs> yeah. I cannot right. give up the castle, yeah. right? You know, so I I think that it makes, it's just not a good start to the, a true partnership. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, uh, and I also think that, you know, I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable about you as real estate, but my own brother and I own a, a building and it's like there's not all just money making to it there's also mm-hmm. some stress making some cost making yeah so just be in it together you know yeah. we recently had to redo a big outdoor project and you know there's not going to be much rental income left over this year but this mm-hmm. was the year that just had to be done right and then i also feel like it always must create weirdness about what is the year you're gonna buy it right mm-hmm. you know like is it the year when they have to do a big project the first time you buy right. in so it feels or, like a or the year after right, right. yeah it just feels like it makes sense, you know, if our listeners are listening to do both at the same time with the same mm-hmm. equal partnership. Yeah, I agree. And I think to me, the, the kind of the biggest problem, Paul, is like if you own the real estate and you own the practice, you kind of have this like left pocket, right pocket thing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really, whatever really works from a tax standpoint, how to structure right. the rent, who's responsible for the expenses, making improvements to the right. office, like you said, you know, is that the, the real estate entity or the practice entity? And, you know, if, if, you're, if you are the only one that owns it, then it doesn't matter whether it's left pocket or right pocket, you yeah. know, it's- your your pockets, right? Um, if you have a partner in the right pocket, but no partner in the left pocket, it starts to matter right. what's in the left pocket and what's in the right pocket. And so, you know, with anything else, you know, when we talk about what are the sort of the pain points that lead to partnership disputes, it's usually money, right? right. Yeah. And so, this is one of these, you know, inequitable situations when it comes to money between the 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 rent and the the real estate and who's paying right. what and who's who's responsible what maintenance so uh, and as you said it it oftentimes it can be uh with an asset that's worth significantly less than right. the practice so you're so. making a big deal about the thing that's not as big of a deal and i also right. think rob you know just in in my running through this dental world you can probably give me more details of it, but like there's an amount that's set for rent which has flexibility to it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're the partner who's not on the owning the building team, you're going to create some resentment. Right. Because the people, the, or the person owning the building is going to be resentful when you want to charge the exact fair market value. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, like, be on the same team. Right. You right. Know, it's like, 
you know, if you say, I mean, uh, rent's $5,000 and you say, but we could also charge six, the person who's not getting any, the rental income is not gonna be like, six is cool with me. Right. You know, because these are re resentful. It's like, a, a, well, let's keep with the nacho theme for the finale. These are like toppings that cause resentment, you know, resentment right. toppings. So <laughs> right. why would you want to do that? And I, I think the only question I'll ask you if you've seen in these deals is, is, is there ever a time for whatever reason the buyer can't get a loan for the real estate? Yeah, there could be a time. And, and, you know, and it, and, but sometimes they can get better financing right. for that. You know, sometimes it might be an opportunity to refinance whatever the, the, the debt is on the real estate and bring the partner on. Yeah. And, and you, the, the current owner may actually make out better by, by doing that. But I, I think the key is, you know, when you go back to what I said a few minutes ago, you know, why do some dentists want to hold on to the real estate? Because they want to make money off of it. Well, so now what we're talking about is making money off of your partner, which, you know, we've talked about right. this a few times in this season. You know, most partnerships or any relationships, you know, dental practice partnerships, attorney-client relationships, uh, marriages, like where there's a winner and a loser, right. that's generally not a good thing, you know, and not I, sustainable I for I the long term. I also use your thing, and it's one of my most famous videos on how to talk about dental insurance, and I've repurposed one of your phrases. I wanna make sure I'm getting it right from the, you say, you wanna make sure the landlord doesn't have a seat at the table when you sell your practice, right? Right. You wanna make sure that you create a lease agreement where you have control, right? And mm -hmm. it always resonated. Well, I always say, right. when our patients say, why did you drop our spoiled guac PPO? I said, I don't want your dental insurance to have a seat at the table when making right. the best decisions about your teeth. Right. And the same thing happens here because life happens and business life happens. And even if you're great partners inside of the practice, it just seems to be a messy plate of nachos to yeah. try to unwind that later. Yeah, and, and why do that? And, and again, the practice, the, here, here we are, you know, hey, you, you're making a million bucks a year, I'm making a million bucks a year, we're really killing it. And now we've got this dispute over the four hundred thousand right. dollar real estate, right? Who can and that has the ability to unhinge the whole thing for for what? No good reason. You know? and, and I'll share too, it's just from a, a tale from the Paul and Jeff world. You know, uh, things happen inside of the building that are just confusing whether they're a tenant or landlord, you know expense or issue, right? Who right. do you call? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier that we're both on the same plate of annoying nachos or or making money nachos in the building, right? Yeah. If we if we went down and one of the, there was a leak in the roof, right? Midday of patients mm -hmm. and I didn't own the building and Jeff did, I'd be like, well, this is your problem, right? Yeah. Sorry, I pay, dude. I pay rent here. <laughs> yeah. You cancel your patients, right? You could, you, you yeah. know, or, you know, um, or it's like, you know, I bet you there's a lot of mismanaged expectations between tenants and landlords in general, whether it's the building we're in now, whether mm -hmm. it's a, but like, or, you might, as the person who doesn't own the building, have these unreasonable expectations of your landlord about uh -huh. what they should be doing. Uh -huh. So why create conflict? Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, and, and I love it. And it's kind of takes back to these the relationship metaphor. It's not even a metaphor. I mean, partnerships yeah, are relationships. I mean, it's like, hey, you know what? Something's broken in the house. Sorry, Mary, not my problem. Right. <laughs> you know? right. like, when is that yes. the appropriate thing to say, Paul? You know, and same thing as you said, like, wow, the roof, we've got an issue with the roof or there's some problem with the plumbing or something's broken or something needs to be maintained or we have our landscaper quit or whatever. Right. Like, sorry, not my problem. Like, that's yeah. not that's not the foundation for a, uh, a successful partnership. And what, what I hope to, you know, point out from the dentist side and as the lawyer side throughout this whole season is that shared decision making is the core of good partnerships, right? Yep. Yeah. And being it doesn't mean you have to be agree on every decision, but you have to make shared decisions and move forward. 
and let sometimes people have little wins on their decisions and you have little wins on yours. That's how real relationships work. Right. And if you're just not truly, you're two different people inside the practice. If one person is the tenant, one person is the landlord. Right. I mean, you're wearing different hats. Totally. You know? Yeah. And that, and that just, exactly. Then that, that creates this sort of, sort of us versus them thing, which is, which is not good. Now, from a, a buyer standpoint, you know, somebody coming into the partnership, what I frequently hear uh, when, and this is part of my initial conversation, are you buying into the real, you're buying the practice? Who owns the real estate? The, uh, the dentist does. Are you also buying into the real estate? Uh, I don't think I want to because it's too risky to do that now, right. or I want to wait and see, you know, well, this whole like kind of wait and see, I just kind of, People have heard us say this, but we're going to say it right. again. Uh, after you've bought this practice or bought half of this practice and you've borrowed this money, you have a 10-year loan, there's no probationary period right. in that. You can't give it back, right, and Paul, it, as you like to say. I, right. It's not returnable. And also, Rob, it's kind of like there's certain things, and this is why having a great team like yours and good dental-focused accountants, it's like, imagine if you had 20 rooms in a house and you had someone come and paint them and you say, we're going to paint 18 rooms now and then two later. It's going to be so much more expensive to paint those two rooms later. So whether it is the legal fees, the accounting fees, thing, just get it all done at once, right? Yeah, With right. Two and a half years from now, you're going to say, okay, today's the day we're going to do this. Right. And it just, it's a a opportunity for problems, right, on both yeah. sides later. Well, I mean, that's just it. Like, how does that process initiated right. two years from now at the time of your choosing? Like, do you say, like, now I want to buy in? Well, maybe that person doesn't want to sell in. And here's the other thing, too. Like, when you're going through this partnership discussion, negotiation, the documents, yeah, like, you know, it's, sometimes it's a little tense. And yeah. It's not entirely, it shouldn't seem intense. It can be uncomfortable, yeah. even when it goes well, because you're having this business negotiation, yeah. even among friends and people that get along, it's like, eh, you know, most people right. are, that are working together are happy when that's done, right? So like, we just kind of went through that whole thing with the practice. And now next year, right. we're gonna <laughs> do it again. And this time it's for the real estate. I mean, I'm sure every single, I mean, I, I'm sure every single valuation of a real estate purchase has to do with how your grandmother thought how handsome you were, right? Like the owner's <laughs> right. like, this thing's worth more. And then uh, someone goes, here's like an appraisal of how handsome your grandson really is. Yeah. It's very different. You than don't the even feelings, know how you know? right you are so, with this. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming oh, just like sure. get it done in a way where you have these big picture discussions about two prices. You know, you right. have a price about the practice and a price about the real estate. And um, then I think, you know, the more, then you can just move forward and with momentum on all the things you have to do. There's, yeah. Listen, there's plenty to deal with later. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm partners with someone. It's a between the team, the buying things, the checking on things, uh -huh. the dealing with things. There's plenty of um, things to deal with that this is just to be set and move forward. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, so we're, we're sort of advocating for it happening at once. There are circumstances where it doesn't make sense, you know, but I feel like uh, I always encourage my clients really on both sides to explore it, right? And maybe you know? maybe you made me think of something. Maybe this has happened because you do so many deals. Some dentists have gotten some really good buildings that have more than a dental practice in them, right? Mm -hmm. And now that there's maybe like a lot going on with this real estate purchase, yeah. and maybe the person buying in doesn't want to be involved with that. Maybe yeah. there's a good happy ending there, right? Yeah, that's a different I bird. got six tenants and yeah. I got a store here and yeah. this happens to be here, you know? Different thing. It's yeah. a different beast. That's not the the usual. Though, say it's not the norm. Not the norm. Yeah, um, but like in that situation, yeah, that that may not make sense. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not one size fits all. Which is why you know I we're I wanted to take a step back and say we're not saying you always yeah. have to do this, but uh, 
it should be something that's considered, I think, all the time. And maybe you consider it in the context, in the situation that you just talked about and say, right. eh, it doesn't really work now. Uh, but I think it's an important thing for both sides to, to think about. And the about. thing I'll add before maybe we shift gears is um, there's also a lot of cool opportunities happening in dentistry where maybe, you know, you're partnering at the age of 35 and you want to buy a new building later and sell your existing building. And right. there's, there's these entrepreneurial opportunities yeah. that if you're just on the on the same, op, you just, if yeah. you're on the same level yeah. playing field with the purchase price, you know, we maybe we kind of will talk about this, you know, it's like why I believe that your percentage should be the same as your partner, right? Three partners, mm -hmm. 33% when they say, hey, you can buy 15% of the practice, right? We've talked about 15% of what, right? When right. they make decisions. But if you're 50-50 right. on the building and the practice, Maybe you do something cool and buy a whole new space together and move your yeah. practice into it. Well, that and, and that's a great, great point, Paul. And you know, let's just—I don't even know. If, let's connect the dots. Yeah. It, it should be obvious at this point what I'm about to say, which is, how does that play out if one partner owns the real estate and the other doesn't, right. and it's time to move the practice? Right. You know, like we really need to move the practice. But yeah, I don't really want to because right. <laughs> you know it's going to cost a lot. Or, yeah. you know, I—I'm uh, happy here because I'm thinking I'm going to retire in ten years, and if we move the practice and we have to build out something new, is it really? Am I going to get the value of that? It just Again, it puts you on different pages with this, right. this person, and uh, and that and this the the more that that's the case, the greater likelihood there is for a problem. And we've said this a few times throughout the uh, the season, and since this is the final episode, let me say it again: you don't want partnership problems; they right. are to be avoided at all at all costs. And if you can set the table in a way that. Uh, minimizes the likelihood of having a partnership dispute, then by all means do that. Right. You know, it is not a good thing. Uh, and these are also just like, you know, there's, I mean, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaney's because like, you know, there's no alternative universe. It's just the one you, you live in now, right? So it's like, maybe you think you're gonna partner with somebody, but they make a big deal about the real estate and you don't partner with them and you have another opportunity down the road, right? Mm -hmm. These right. are just good opportunities to see how compatible you are. It's yeah. not even judgment, right? Yeah. But if somebody doesn't want to split their $280,000 condo in Middlesex, New Jersey with you, it may be a sign of future problems later. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's a sharing, it's sort of like, you're not all in. like. I would like to marry you, and we will be uh, we will operate as though we are a married couple on Thursdays, Fridays, <laughs> yeah. and Saturdays. Right. <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I've got sort of other plans, yes. but you know those three days every week. Like it's just like yeah, we're sort of in on some of it, not on the other. And I think again, and we keep saying we're going to move on, but like, one other thing I do want people to think about, especially if somebody that's the partner coming in. There is something to be said, even with the lease and all the real the the documents being done properly. The person that owns the castle owns right. the castle, yeah. right? And you may have the key to the castle until they change the lock right. on the yes. castle. Now, that's not really legal in most states to be able to do that, but you get the idea yeah. that if something doesn't work out well in the practice partnership, and there's one partner that owns the right. real estate. That partner has significant leverage in that sort of practice yeah. breakup um, without even going down the rabbit hole of how that is. You just trust me on that. It's That is the position of strength in, in that dispute. And so as somebody that's coming in, yeah, be right. careful about that. That's a good point with this real estate. This is, and it just kind of continues throughout the theme of every episode we've ever done of this pod podcast is get the right people on your team 
to help you make the right decisions for you. Mm-hmm. People who do this every day, right? right. If you were going to call someone in to pitch the ninth inning of the Philadelphia Phillies, you weren't going to call in this pitcher who just plays on the weekends. They have these specialized people yeah, right. who help with these things. And you yeah. know, that's why building that team to protect you is important. Now, I think, you know, with the real estate, Paul, I think over the years now, have I kind of made it a sexier subject yeah. for you? I mean, I yeah, think you it, have, right? initially you used yes. to roll your eyes. Yeah, like, I was just going to say, you're you real gonna, estate, yeah. Rob, you know, what, we're bringing Brian Madden on. He's got it's one of your real best estate. jokes that you can't have a dental office without the office part. Right, right. Yeah. right. You know, I it's mean, just dental. it's true, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. unless you want to drive around in like, you know, the dental van, yeah. which we're seeing more of, yeah, you know, mobile but, but not a lot still. I mean, it's not, it's not taking over that business model, but, you know, it's, the, the real estate's important. It does matter. And thank you for 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 props on that. You know, yeah. with without uh, an office, you can't have a dental office <laughs> yeah, yeah, flat right. out. So the Just real dental. estate is important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, can we move on? Yeah, I all think right. We've covered it. Okay. So uh, partnerships in startups. Uh, you know, we see it. We help people do it. Uh, it always gives me a little bit of pause. I, I want to share, I wrote a note because I, I want to bring you back to 1969 when my dad graduated from uh, dental school. And, you know, he was going to do a startup practice. This is like the olden days, right? He was he, he said to me, because he goes, I wanted, he always wanted to have a partner, right? So mm-hmm. that really did have an impact on me. His partnership was a successful one. Mm-hmm. I like they can cover on vacations for each other. But he goes, I was going to start up a practice with my friend from dental school. But then we looked at each other, we said, neither of us know anything, right? And <laughs> they didn't that. do it. And it was right. a smart idea, right? Yeah. You know, it might have been yeah. after his Air Force. And uh-huh. I, I, I'm not saying that in a startup partnership, you may have two associates that have been um, associates for six years. So they might be very competent clinically, you know? Mm-hmm. My, my dad at the time wasn't competent clinically or business-wise, they had nothing going for him. But, yeah. <clears throat> you know, a startup partnership, I'm just saying from the dental perspective, you're likely looking at two people who have never owned a business before together. Mm-hmm. Owned a business, period. Yes. New sentence, now they're owning a business together for the first time. Yes. So this brings to me a high wire act of being on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that can can go wrong, obviously. And and what that page is, uh, I think sometimes people don't really even realize what that is. So uh, frequently in all partnerships yeah. in you know startups are, are no different. Uh, people that generally want to be partners together, are people that are friends, right? right. You know, that you don't want to have a partner with somebody that you don't like, right? right? So it usually starts with, hey, we're we're uh, dental school friends, and now we want to to do this together. And um, we're on the same page with just about everything, you know, and then you start to have conversation, you know, well, uh, just talking about the partnership details, you know, what happens if one of you is no longer able to practice? What happens if one of you dies? What if happens with if one of you cuts your hours back? Uh, what if, you know, there's a, a disability of sorts or what happens if you disagree on different things? And, you know, it's like, well, we haven't talked about that. We haven't talked about that. We haven't talked I about that. I think you do what you do, Rob, and I can't miss miss this time for a joke is they're, they're not reading the right book to be on the same page. Yeah. The, the book right. that they come and say, we're on the same page right. in this blue book over here, you guys, want <laughs> you know. Yeah. This blue book is very different than the book we have to be on the same page with. Paul, the blue book shouldn't even be called a book. It's it's like a pamphlet, pamphlet maybe of, yeah, on like a good day. Philosophy, because right? what what the yeah, yes, we like we have the same we like to do the same kind of work. We like working together. We like we've decided on the color of the paint right. and the name of the practice right. and what the sign and the logo are going to look like. The None of those things matter. Okay, the, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. I would like to set you up because I asked this about the reasons for the real estate. 
Simon Sinek, what's your eye? What is the why that you hear most often when they come and say, hey, Rob, and the team of people who helped me, we are two people, you know, Bob Guac and Sally Salsa. We want to be partners. What is their why? I'm actually totally curious. Um, Startup partners, by the way, too, not acquisition uh, partners. I think they are under the mistaken impression that it's less risky if there's two people doing it. Um, and I frankly see it completely differently. I, I think that it's riskier uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, one is as you know, sort of the partnership issues. You have to be on the same page with the partnership things. Uh, but look, from a, an economic standpoint, you, you, there's one thing to move the needle to, to keep one doc happy. Yeah. Now you got to move the needle right. twice as far you know, for, for two docs to be happy. Sometimes it could be more challenging to get financing you know, because right. this is also, you're looking at having you know, to be able to generate enough money to feed two, right. two houses. Um, and so that, uh, that can make it, uh, more of, more of a challenge too. But look, I mean, it's not like, um, two against one, you know, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to wrestle and it's better if we have two of us against that other guy, Paul, you know, like it doesn't work that way, you know, it's exactly. Um, and so there are nuances to that, that, that can make it trickier. And I, I also feel like, uh, when it comes to the startup, like it's so much about, your personal vision, right. right? Like, what do you? What is the vision for your practice? Um, that is just so personal to 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 each individual in each situation. That I find it hard to believe that you really can have somebody else that's completely on the page that you're on when it comes to the yeah. vision for uh, for your practice. There's a lot of you know. Um, we, I think I've said in the past, don't mess up your once decisions, right? You know and there's a lot of once decisions with buying a, with a starting up a practice, right? There's just a lot of, you're making some of these decisions once, and some of them might be, you know, I, I'm a dentist. Some of them might be about the chairs that you pick, right? That, you know, can probably be more emotionally uh, influenced than you might think as a lawyer, Rob, right? Mm-hmm. Which chairs you pick to so many different decisions that set this practice on the road to success or stress, or, right. or is it that, that I could see that it could be very hard to be on the same page with all of that. Yeah, yeah, and um, as we were talking about, you know, a few minutes ago, in the context of the real estate, when you are not on the same page, and you know somebody is benefiting or it's working out better for for somebody, or somebody's kind of getting their way more than the other person, hmm, you know, yeah. that becomes problematic. And even if you think back to having children, like there's there's an influence it tends to be the mother but it doesn't have to always be the mother but they're like spending more time with that startup human being and right. it's like if each parent was spending the exact same amount of time i think the it's it's challenging to have that influence on them and it, one leader having the influence on this is likely in easier messages to the team that you have to hire right mm-hmm. yeah and uh, i also am assuming rob when you do this like now they both need other jobs during totally. this time. Absolutely. Which shows, which also just throws a complicated monkey wrench into so many things, which is could be as simple as my associate job won't let me have off on Monday. You have to do the Mondays. Mm-hmm. Mine will let me on Tuesdays, you know, um, because- or, or when do you quit? Right. You know, like, a, like a, a, it's time, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're pretty busy here now, Paul. Time for you to come over. Yeah, but I got this other good gig, right. you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm making a lot of money, right. you know. Yeah, but we kind of need you over right. here, Paul, you know, and, and, and like, again, as we talk about in a lot of different uh, contexts in this this issue, there's not, that doesn't mean that I'm bad for suggesting that or right. you're 
a bad guy for wanting to work Tuesday and Thursday your associate shift because you're making a lot of money. It's just, you know, that mm, what works for me doesn't right. work for you necessarily. And uh, and it's and it's a they're legitimate, you know, desires and concerns that each of us have. It just it's something that we're not you know doing together. And I, I would like to ask because we, we've talked about this before. Being an attorney, most people don't call you up and say, "Hey, Rob, I just want to let you know." That asset purchase agreement you did for me in 2012, things are going really well for me, right? So you yeah. you probably over, you get more problem calls, but in the where are they now, whether you see them at a C course or things, ones that have gone well for this, what do they look like, right? Ones where you say, hey, those two people, they did a startup five years ago and now their practice is supporting both of them. Maybe there are no stories like that, but I'm just curious, are there any examples of when this goes right, what was back at this in the early stages of a factor. Yeah, that's hard to say. It's a good question. It's hard to say. And I, I you know, to your point, people don't come to yeah. us to tell us that, you know, guess what? It's successful. And, and I think a lot of times we don't hear too when things are sort of mm, a little problematic, right? You know, because and look, you know, people, maybe they're trying to work things out or they realize that, let's face it, you are in this together. You know, right. when, the, when the bank lends that money to both of you, you're both personally guaranteed this and you're doing the startup, it's hard to get a bank to release one of the guarantees. Right. So you may find yourself in the situation if you're breaking up that you have to go and refinance the loan. Well, good luck refinancing a startup loan two years after your startup, right? Yeah. Because there's not enough revenue and, and profit and income in that practice yet, and there's still a pretty big debt. And now you're asking for one of the people that was on the loan to be released as part right. of the, the separation. So uh, it could very well be that some of these people realize that they can't really uncouple, so yeah. to speak. So, uh, But I, I mean, I think that there needs to be in any partnership, and I think it's even more important as we talk about it in a startup partnership, there needs to be a good reason. There needs to be some sort of business synergy as to right. why two people are together. You know, that, you know, uh, maybe uh, an orthopedo, like we like the fact that, you know, we can yeah. provide- Well, you are on the trackers. I think specialists, there's opportunities for specialists to do this in a way that's more friction-free than general dentists. I can share a few reasons why I think is that mm -hmm. there's two endodontists practicing. They're doing kind of the same procedures all the time. The system's set up for the same procedures. They're fairly lucrative procedures. So then one endodontist practice producing 1.5 million has plenty for two people to share. Yeah. You know, general dentists, I, I don't know if I can compare this to law in the same way, but if you had a if you had a, a divorce attorney in here next to, you know, a real estate attorney, next to a dental focused attorney, you'd be you're you'd be making a lot of different decisions on your clients. And mm -hmm. general dentist, the philosophy of how you treat patients as a general dentist is very varied. Uh -huh. Specialists have much more of a cohesive mm. way of treating people. Yeah. So it's I think there's some there's just more of a streamlined approach. So I, I, I do see two periodontists, two endodontists, two oral surgeons. And also sometimes some of these areas, I mean, ideal practice is awesome resource and sponsor what I do. They would know more. But like, I also think sometimes there's areas where there's more need for specialists. So mm -hmm. they're, the practice can get ramped up faster. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting point. Yeah. And it's yeah, for sure, you know, that you're, you're looking at kind of making, you know, the donuts, right? So yeah, the same type of donuts. Same, like we yeah, make right. glazed here. This is what right. we do. We make glazed donuts. <laughs> yeah. Make a lot of glazed donuts, and we make them really well. You know. Yeah. Um, you want uh, cream-filled donuts? Uh, you know. And one of the we got to stop the machine and go back and do something different. I think what's right? interesting about this is, and it just made me think. What we say that is, 
if you do a startup partnership, you're going to be seeing each other's patients. Let's just say one person's covering it. So I don't know how you, you guys do when you pass clients back and forth to each other. I know you try to do them with cohesiveness, but some people you have to get oriented to where they are. Mm -hmm. So I think for a general dental startup, patients could also get confused because you have to you have to look at what that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Is it is it two people playing the role of one dentist? Yeah, and then who are the patients seeing? So it's not. I, I hope our listener will think maybe me or you're being overly negative, just trying to be really realistic about what this looks like. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. You know, realistic. But then that's what we just want people to ask the right questions right. Or, or or think about the right things. You know, like and hey, uh, you and I in this capacity, we're both advisors. Like right. we're, you, you are obviously a practice owner too. So you are a decision maker, but like when we're counseling people and trying to help people, you know, like we, we tell them some things to right. think about. We don't decide for them. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, you have to go into this knowing that, you know, there's going to be a fair amount of, of, of give and take and, uh, and, and be committed to making this work I out. I think also it's just like, there, what's the line between optimism and delusion, Gary Vito? What's the difference between pessimism and realism, right? Yeah. Sometimes I'll type something back on Facebook and they, Paul, why are you being so negative? I'm being negative and being realistic. Yeah. And they're also saying, why are you being so, you know, delusional? I said, I'm just trying to be optimistic. And I think these startup partnerships come with those words coming into play, right? Yeah. Is it optimistic to think the two of you from dental school are going to do a startup and grow to a $1.5 million practice? Or is that totally delusional right. that that's going to happen? And I think, you know, we've talked about this in past episodes. Startups that fail to launch can be very painful mm -hmm. for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Very different than acquisitions, in my experience. Oh yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you're selling something with nothing, right? You know, with no patience, essentially, at that point. You know, and um, it, we've been involved in those situations where people have become disabled or have problems. Yeah. Where you know, here it is. I built this practice out. And I owe all this money, and now I can't see patients there. I and mean, I, that, that's brutal. Yeah. You know, and it's not good. And luckily, we've been able to navigate that in a way that it wasn't, you know, a complete catastrophe. You have but to look for the drop nachos of of these, how you do, would deal with these drop nachos if they did happen, because they happen to people. You see these stories. And I think also it's just, you know, it's kind of a good point for this season. It's like, it's very hard to sell a dental practice, a good one. I think people think it's much easier to sell dental practice than it is, but you, yeah. need, a, yeah. you need a dentist or a DSO to buy it. Right. And it's a complex sale, right? Different than a house. And if you think of this startup partnership, you know, I like people go, Paul, I don't really like my uh, practice anymore. I want to sell it. I go, well, why would someone else want to buy it, right? Yeah, right. Basically, I live in the house. Hey, Rob, my roof leaks. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible house. It's drafty. Do you want to live in it now? Yeah. So I think it's just an important point that, that we've talked about what happens at the breakup, right? And for startup partnerships, I think that could be an even more complicated breakup. Oh, it totally is. It totally is. And, you know, you're both personally guaranteeing the loan. Right. You're both personally guaranteeing the lease. But, you know, I think, you know, just back to what we were saying a few minutes ago, that, you know, just there needs to be a compelling reason to yeah. do it. And it can't be that because we're friends, you know, right. and, and, and whether it's a startup or any partnership, I will tell you, the best way to ruin a friendship right. is a bad business partnership, you know? For sure. And so friends or relatives for that matter, you know? So like- I, al I also share that I have a, the experience you have being a dental partner, I wouldn't call it a friendship, right? Like you say sometimes, Rob, you could buy any piece of real estate. So don't be hung up on buying the real estate. If you can't buy the real estate for your practice, go invest in real estate elsewhere, right? Uh -huh. Now over here, it's like, go play golf on the weekends because- and keep your friendship going that way. Yeah, right. Because like, I'm just telling you, checking hygiene, dealing with that. Like my brother and I, I'm very 
fortunate to be his partner. Mm-hmm. But like when we went into work just on Monday, it's like everyone goes to their corners and starts battling, right? Yeah, and at the end right. of the day, we drive home. And yes, it's nice, right? It's a nice moment. And there's I'm very mm-hmm. grateful for it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, we get to work on stuff together, but it's not like it's not a friendship strengthener in the way they think it is, right? <laughs> it's a friendship yeah, tester, yeah, probably, it's a friendship right? Tester. And it's not what, I mean, imagine if I was like, what do you want to do for fun today as friends, Rob? Let's run a dental practice together. Can we go to Obez and have nachos? That sounds like so much more fun, right? Ah, that's great. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, yeah, I think uh, hopefully uh, in this season, we've uh, been able to peel back the curtain, give people some yeah. some things to think about, you know, and again, we're not telling you the there's one way to do it and there's a way not to do it. You know, it's every situation is different, but, you know, it's important to, to know what your options are and kind of go into these things, uh, eyes wide open partnerships, as we're saying, can be a tricky thing. It's tricky to navigate and uh, they're very tricky to unwind and sometimes not impossible right. to unwind. And so you really need to take, uh, go through all the steps, work with the right team, do the right yeah. due diligence, and be realistic with yourself too. That, you know, is this really the, you're doing this for the right reasons and uh, that it's a good situation for both people. And, you know, I will say just overall, you know, as I've said a couple times today and other times during the season, there shouldn't be a winner and a loser right. in a in a partnership, and if there is, it's probably uh, destined to fail. Yeah, I think it's a great great wrap up point. Uh, delivered a lot of value. Get get the team that you need to succeed. Ask the right questions. Maybe you can come up with a compatibility test for a partner's job. That could be your that could be your contribution. <laughs> Answer these questions at the end. We will give you a yay, nay, no way, uh-huh. or it might work out. Uh-huh. So the, that's what we're looking for. That's it. The the, the successful partnership checklist. Well. We'll, we'll put that on the uh, on the project list, uh, Paul. So uh, thanks everybody for for listening, Paul. Thanks for for coming in. It's always fun to chat with you, awesome. and uh, I've enjoyed the season. And uh, folks, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please go and uh, give us a good review on Apple or Google or wherever you're listening to us because uh, that makes us feel good. For sure. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos, and don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.